What a pleasure and what a blessing to gather here again today. The singing, the fellowship one with another, the prayers, the Lord's Supper, the giving. All of these are marvelous blessings for us. Things that focus us on spiritual things. And of course, today is Father's Day. I have here some a list of some things that children remembered their fathers saying to them, their fathers' favorite sayings, the ones that stuck in their minds. Joe Kazanovich's dad used to say the man on the top of the mountain didn't fall there. Bruce Lee's dad said, not the Bruce Lee, but uh, he said, an excuse is a poor patch for the garment of failure. Rhea Hunt's dad said, never try to catch two frogs with one hand. Mark Young's dad, honesty is like a trail. Once you get off of it, you realize you're lost. Thomas Leona's dad, remember who you are and where you came from. I bet you can remember your parents saying that to you once or twice. I know we said it to our kids. Timothy Davis's dad, don't shake the tree too hard. You never know what might fall out. John Beard Jr.'s dad, a closed mouth gathers no feet. Sandra Schultz's dad, measure twice, cut once. Eb Dozier's dad, I really like this one, he used to say, the second time you get kicked in the head by a mule is not a learning experience. Reed Caster's dad, you, knew, you need to do the thing you have to do before you do the thing you want to do. John Taylor's dad, if this is the worst thing that happens in your life, don't worry about it. Jeff Wilson's dad, if it's to be, it's up to me. Maynard Allstaff's dad, don't be foolish just because you know how to. Peter Troy's dad, peer pressure is a crack in the armor of your own conviction. Bambi Troy's dad would say, knowing what's right from wrong is education. Doing what's right is execution. The latter is the hard part. John Burke's dad, you have to eat an elephant in small bites. And Carl Warner's dad, if everybody else is doing it, it's probably wrong. You can nod your head, that's okay. <clears throat> This is Father's Day. We have to start by talking about the task that we have as fathers. Most of the things I say, just so you don't feel left out, ladies, also apply to mothers, but the scripture reading for us dealt with the idea that God had commanded 
one generation to pass his commandments to another generation. Actually, that command came from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Does that mean mothers are not involved in it? It certainly doesn't mean that. But it certainly does mean fathers are supposed to be involved in that. We don't want to miss that. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 gives us evidence of the role that mothers play in that when he talks about Timothy's mother and grandmother and the faith that dwelt first in them. Fathers, it is our responsibility to fit our children for adulthood. To prepare them for life. But most importantly, to set them on the road to heaven. What joy can we possibly find if our children succeed in this life, but suffer for all eternity? If they become famous, if they enjoy positions of power and authority, if they rise quickly in their successful careers, die with millions or billions of dollars, when the trumpet sounds, all their success will burn up. And what will be their eternal fate? There is nothing more important than heaven. Again, you can nod your heads if you want to. There is nothing more important than heaven. It is worth any sacrifice. As fathers, as parents, there is nothing more important than trying to take our children to heaven. And I know that for many, this is a sore spot. Children have their own free will. They make their decisions. And sometimes, in spite of our efforts, they make decisions that lead them away from what's right and what's good. And I know that this subject can be a painful one for parents. I know that it is for me. So let's talk about the challenge that we face as fathers, as parents. The challenge, of course, is Satan. Admit it, Satan wants our children. He has most of the world on his side. Understand this, young people. Most of your friends at school, most of the people you will meet through life, most of the people that you will live next to, work for, or are the servants of Satan. They may be that unwittingly. They may not be that on purpose. But if they're not on their way to heaven, as the Bible teaches we walk that narrow road and trying to teach it to others, they are on Satan's side. They may not want to be. They may seem like wonderful people. But their influence will not be toward heaven. 
This is difficult because Satan cheats. He doesn't play fair. John 8 and verse 44, he's a liar and the father of it. He makes promises that he cannot deliver. He uses every manner of deceit and trickery. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11 talks about his devices. New American Standard Version there says his schemes. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15 talks about Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So we shouldn't be surprised if his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness. From what I know of God's Word, from what I have learned in talking with other preachers in other congregations around our country, from what I have seen in many families and from my own personal painful experience, Satan is winning in far too many cases when we're talking about our children. Now, let's change the tone a little bit because this sermon is not designed to discourage. This sermon is designed to empower. It's designed to uplift. So we want to talk about a tool that God has given to us to help us in this task. You know, there's a whole list of things we could talk about that the Bible teaches about parenting. We can talk about discipline. We can talk about love. We can talk about all kinds of things. But today I've narrowed this down because you can't get all your raccoons up one tree. We've narrowed it down to talk about this tool that God has given us as parents, the tool of prayer. There are things in this world that you cannot control. World events. How much evil is in this world? We have... Disasters, natural disasters, earthquakes, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes. We have sickness and death. We cannot keep grandma from dying. We cannot keep our own kids from getting sick. You cannot control or predict a pandemic, right? This is why prayer is such an important thing. James 5 and verse 16, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer helps keep us focused on spiritual things. It elevates us above the things of this world. Focuses us on the things of the next world. Keeps us in touch with God our Father. Prayer that is full of thanksgiving, which our prayers ought to be, will keep us joyful and optimistic. Will take away the worries of our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Prayer is that kind of exercise that strengthens us spiritually has to do with our godliness. But let's state this emphatically. Get ready to nod your heads again, okay? Prayer is more than just an exercise for us. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer makes a difference. God responds to our prayers. We need to believe that or we will not be people of prayer. 
Don't ask me how he does it. Don't ask me how God's providence works. Don't ask me how can he can respond to the prayer. He promises that he does respond to our prayers. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. What, would that, what sense would that make if our prayers didn't actually make a difference? We need to pray for the sick. We need to pray for our daily bread. We need to pray for wisdom. And specifically, as fathers, we need to pray for our world. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Why? That ye may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Our children will grow up in this world. Don't we want to pray that this world will be be a decent place for them to grow up? This is the world they're going to inherit from us. Don't we want to pray that it will be a worthwhile place? Prayer can make a difference. When we rely upon organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on prayer, we get what God can do. And nothing is too hard for God. We need to pray for our world. We need to hope and trust in a God. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 says, He removeth kings and setteth up kings. I believe that's still true today. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, verse 25, and verse 32, all say the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. I believe that's still true today. Do Christians need to vote? Yes. They need to vote more than their pocketbooks, too. They need to vote their conscience. They need to vote their religion. But we need to understand that our power in this world comes from our God. And we need to pray for this world that we are part of. We need to pray that morality can be brought back to this country. That marriage can be a sacred and binding connection between a man and a woman as it once was considered to be. The Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over what marriage is. It is the oldest divine institution on the face of the earth. It was designed and brought about by God Himself. We need to pray that honesty can again be a general expectation. I don't remember who it was I was talking to sometime this week, and we were talking about how often people lie, how lying has become the norm, how it is actually taught as a life skill that your children need to learn to lie, how you can be fired from a job for lying to your boss, but you can be fired for not lying for your boss. Boss says, tell him I'm not here when he's there. Boss says, tell him, tell him the check is in the mail when you know it's not. We are expected to lie. 
And yet Revelation 1 and verse, or 21 and verse 8 says that all liars have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. We need to pray that our education system will stop being dedicated to destroying the faith of our children. The lesson that was planned for this week, before I remembered it was Father's Day, was a follow-up on last week. Last week we talked about the existence of God and today we were going to talk about the creation-evolution controversy and we probably will come back to that, but I wanted to talk about fathers today. You know that, that in our world, our children are being taught that they are animals. And then we're surprised when they act like it. We need to pray for peace so our sons and daughters don't have to go out to war. We need to pray for safety from sickness and disasters and accidents. We need to pray for an economy that lets them work and earn and be responsible for themselves and their families. Because prayer makes a difference, folks. As parents, we need to be praying people. We need to pray for our world. We also need to pray for our own selves as fathers. One scripture I've got up here, James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Glenn Colley, many of you will recognize that name. He talks about the difficult, nasty things of life that he and his wife never thought about before they had children. Never thought about trying to explain them to children. He said, we never thought about the whole family catching a wicked stomach virus at the same time. We never thought about the fact that a baby can actually cry all of her waking hours. We never thought about sibling bickering, kindergarten anxiety, staying awake at night because someone saw a spider and now it's gone. So they never dreamed about how to tell their children that there are mothers who kill their babies in their womb and how to explain that to a child. They didn't know that so many of their children's friends would face the divorce of their parents. How do you prepare yourself as parents to explain a world where marriage is no longer restricted to a man and a woman? How do you explain that to children? How do you prepare yourself to explain why people shoot and blow up people in the name of Allah? We have trouble grasping this ourselves, much less explaining it to our children. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, okay, let's start there. That's me, okay? In this t job of parenting, it's bigger than we are. We lack wisdom. Admit it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What's that say? Pray. And what's the promise? God will give it. Liberally. Oh, how we need it. We need to pray for our patience. We need to pray for our wisdom. 
need to pray for ourselves as fathers and as mothers. And then, of course, obviously, we need to pray for our children. It is never too early to start praying for your children. My children are all grown and gone and scattered across this country in four different states. Four children, four different states. None of them are even adjacent to Pennsylvania. I do not regret one moment that I spend in prayer for my children. Before I get out of bed every, every morning, I pray for our elders here and their wives by name. I pray for this congregation, but I start by praying for my children. If I have a regret in this area, it is that I regret not spending enough time in prayer for my children. Pray. Pray for our children to become Christians and to stay faithful. Pray for them to find Christian mates. Pray for them to grow up into honest, hardworking, law-abiding citizens. Pray that God will help keep them from the evil things that will destroy their lives. The drugs, the alcohol, the evil companions, the decisions that they make that will affect them forever. Pray for your children. Pray with your children. Teach your children to pray. Set an example of prayer before them. I remember one of the things that I learned about prayer as a child. My mother was in the hospital for a long period of time. Us children were farmed out to different members of the congregation, and I ended up staying with Roger and Carol Reed and their son. He was just about two years younger than I was. And I remember they had two sows that they were raising. And one of them was just about to farrow, and was about to have little pigs, and she escaped. And we spent hours combing the nearby fields and woods, and we looked everywhere for that pig. And, and finally, late night, not having found the pig, we sat down to supper, and Roger Reed led us in prayer before we ate, and he prayed for his pig. I didn't know you could pray for a pig. You know what he was doing? Exactly what Jesus taught in praying for his daily bread. That's what he was praying. He's daily bacon, but it's the same thing, right? We need to set an example of prayer for our children. Luke 18 and verse 1, Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That gives us some insight into what it means to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean constantly. It means continuing, not stopping, not ceasing that. That we ought always to pray and not to faint. Romans 12 and verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Colossians 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer. 
and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Just yesterday, it was just yesterday we were marveling at his ten tiny fingers and ten tiny toes. Just yesterday he learned to ride his bike, how to read and write, and thought girls had cooties. Today, his bike has given way to faster forms of transportation. He wears a cap and gown, and he thinks girls are beauties. Yesterday, I was his hero, and his mother was his dearest love. And soon, he will leave me, he'll leave us both, to cleave to his wife. It was just yesterday the doctor said, you have a baby girl. Just yesterday, her world was dolls and rainbows, and she dreamed about white unicorns. Today, her world is about makeup and hairstyles, and she dreams about a husband and children of her own. Yesterday, I was the most important man in her life, but soon the chief place in her heart will shift, and she will willingly pass from under my authority to the authority of her husband. And I don't resent these things. I'm not jealous about these things. This was the plan. This was the goal. Growing up is not a tragedy, and finding love and forming a new family of your own is not a betrayal of me or of their mother. The tragedy would have been if they hadn't grown up. But still, it catches us off guard. Time marches on, and no man can slow it or stop it. And when we look back, it all seems like it was just yesterday. The years are just moments. Blink your eye and they're gone. If only we could have taken advantage of every opportunity. If only we could have celebrated every small step just as we cheered their first step. If only we hadn't been so busy. If only we hadn't left some important things unsaid. If only we could have realized when we were in the moment just how short that moment would be. It was just yesterday. Time is flying by. Parents, please listen as we make some application of what we're talking about. Take advantage of your opportunities. Remember that you are responsible for modeling the kingdom first priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God applies as much to fathers as to anyone, possibly more to fathers. Remember that spiritual food is more important than physical food. Remember that regular attendance habits are more important than regular hygiene habits or regular bedtimes or regular household chores. Remember that homework for Bible class is more important than English, science, or geometry. It never fails to, to get to me when parents will complain about a Bible class teacher who gives homework to their class students. Not understanding or seeing the importance of these spiritual things. Parents, remember how strong your influence is over your children. And keep first things first. Spiritual things first. 
Understand the difference between things that are urgent and things that are truly important. Elevate yourself and your children over the mundane to the sublime, over this physical world to the spiritual world. Set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. Proverbs 19 and verse 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. While there is hope. What's that mean? It means our time is limited to do these things. The, the time passes on. We can't stop it. They grow up. We can't keep them from it. We don't want to keep them from it. But that means that our time is limited. We need to chasten our son while there is hope. Proverbs 13 and verse 24, we all know this. He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That's the King James Version, the old King James Version. That word betimes there occurs 12 times in the Old Testament. At least twice it's translated diligently, but at least five times that Hebrew word is translated early. Why? Because we only have a limited amount of time to do these things. And then it's over. And we can't get it back. There are no do-overs. And so we need to take advantage of these things while we can. One final slide here. A reminder about prayer. Fathers and mothers, we must not pray without working. There is much for us to do as parents. Prayer without work is hypocritical. We need to do more than pray. But brothers and sisters, we cannot do more than pray unless we pray first. Then we can do more than pray. But we cannot do more than pray unless we are people of prayer. And we cannot do this job that's before us without prayer. How important it is for us that we be people of prayer. We're going to sing an invitation song here in a moment. I don't know what your spiritual condition is. There in a group this size are almost certainly some here who need to be baptized into Jesus. Why? Because this is the way of salvation. Because this baptism, based on our faith, John 8 and verse 24, our repentance, Luke 13 and verse 3, our confession of the name of Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10, our baptism is the point at which our sins are washed away, Acts 22, 16. The point at which we begin walking in newness of life, Romans 6 and verse 4. The point at which the old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth from that point of baptism on we should no longer serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin. All of that's found right there in Romans chapter 6. If you have not been baptized into Jesus what are you waiting for? If you as a parent have not been baptized into Jesus, don't you want to be the kind of spiritual person your children need you to be? Can you think of a better day to start than now? There may be some here 
who have failed in the things that we're talking about, who have failed to put spiritual things first, failed to have the kingdom first priority. And you need to turn your heart around. That's what repentance is. It takes place in here, above the neck, some old-time preachers used to say. A change of mind about sin that results in a change of life regarding sin. You need to repent. And pray. If perhaps these sins will be forgiven. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That confession there is not necessarily a public confession, but that acknowledging of sin before God. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's times when public confession needs to be made when our sin is public and so that our brothers and sisters can rejoice in our repentance. But if you have such a spiritual need today, this is the time. We urge you to come to the front as together we stand and sing.